Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. A Philly, Phillies know they're good now. Now it's one of these things where like they got that swag, right? Oh, they they're, had it. They, they had it. I know, but they, they they're walking it. with that Castellanos with the two home runs, back-to-back games. I don't believe he had back-to-back games with the home run all year this all year. year. Yeah, and then no. he did it in the NLDS. Yeah, and that's all cool. And Everybody's popping the champagne. Just don't lose to the D-backs, okay? Well, just, the World just, Series. Just don't, just don't lose to the D-backs, okay? Can't do that. The Can't World do that. Series just that don't everybody do that wants. Yeah. The Diamondbacks and the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're clamoring for. <laughs> Is that the Buck Showalter Bowl? Oh, my gosh. The Diamondbacks and Rangers? We would be talking about That won't be great ratings. That won't be great ratings. (laughs) All the playoff games on ESPN Radio and the ESPN (laughs) app app across the country. Uh, It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can watch us on ESPNU. (laughs) Way to try to pull the plane up, Ev. I'm just saying, just saying. The Phil- Now, the other side of it, Mm. Phillies Astros would be great. Yeah. I just Maybe, would, but then we would. I would be put in the uncomfortable position you of root having for one of them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to root for Pat Costello's team, but then right. I can't root for the Astros. How can you not oh, root, I can for root for the, for the Phillies? Astros. Though? Astros all the way over the Phillies. I'm rooting for the Astros right now. I want them to win it all. A group of cheaters who's already won versus the Phillies who have so much star power. And who are you un- talking to? Okay, well, that's a great just, point, Smalls. Okay, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. No, that, that, I'm not saying I cheat. No, but you do love the but Patriots. But you root for teams that, that, that uh, live allegedly. by that philosophy. Allegedly. No, it's not it's allegedly. Not alleg- it's proven. Allegedly. They burn the tapes. It's Five proven, exactly. Real. Allegedly. Okay, there we go. 13, how do you explain do, this? One, one quick thing, though. the Astros? Though? Unless you're from exactly. Houston, you can't do I, I, I want to just play one piece of audio because one, one of the things that, that's going on now as a result of baseball in the postseason, the way it's gone, is the fact that we have everybody kind of questioning the format Greeny yesterday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time here on ESPN Radio, had this to say about maybe an idea to fix what may or may not need fixing with the format. You could say in a postseason series now, based on that, the Dodgers start out with one win. So we're going to play a best of five, but the Dodgers start out with one win. In a perfect world, you'd make it best of seven because that feels a little more manageable. But the Dodgers start with a win. Now, all of a sudden, the regular season has been infinitely more valuable than before. And in order for the fluky team to win, they're going to have to really earn it. The other way you could do it is you is you further stagger the home field advantage. So you could play the entire series in the home ballpark or the home stadium, home arena of the team with the better record. Or you could make it five versus two as opposed to four versus three. There are ways you do that. And what you do, what you accomplish is A, you further incentivize winning in the regular season, which is a good thing. B, you decrease the possibility of what feels like an illegitimate or fluky champion, which is also a good thing. Do we think this needs fixing? 
I mean, if you're going to fix it, I don't, I don't believe in starting a series with one win. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, yeah. I think it's either one way or the other. Either you make the DS a seven-game series or you just go back to 163 and have a one-game playoff. I think and that's the situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And move everything up. That way the teams that have these best records in baseball, 100-win teams, aren't, aren't talking about a week of the layoff. So I just think that makes the most sense. If it, if it ends up being a bigger issue moving forward where the best teams don't have a chance to let this thing bear itself out over the course of a long series as opposed to a short series, then, then yeah, I think you consider going back to game 163. Either It's either that or it's a seven-game series. I don't think there's any middle ground. Yeah, I'm not opposed to going back to 163, one and done, you determine your fate, because I think giving the opposition one win – or, or the, the team with the better record won win. That's impossible. Yeah, for, for that's it. a little too quirky. That, yeah. But I do like Greeny's suggestion about the entirety of home field advantage. You know, make basically you want to continue to incentivize a regular season, especially if you're Major League Baseball and you're coming off a season where you saw increases in viewership and attendance. You had so many things that went right this season that you don't want there to be a fall off and teams devaluing the regular season that know they're going to get to the postseason at all. I don't know about five straight games at home, but maybe they do a 2-1-2. I mean, maybe they have two in the home field, one on the the lesser team, then two back. I mean, maybe you do four and one. The best point I've heard on this anywhere, Tony Kornheiser on PTI and ESPN said, here's what happens. Baseball is a daily sport. You win 100-plus games by playing every single day. Mm -hmm. The postseason, they make it a weekly sport. They change up the routine because if you're really good, you're not playing every single day. You have a few days off, then you play, then some days off, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And that the great teams are great because they're able to deal with the wear and tear of a 162-game season every single day, and then they change the way it is in the postseason. I thought that was th- Now, I don't know what change you can make off of that, but I thought that was an interesting point. Also last night, of course, Thursday night football. Listen, we did not think this was going to be – you know, one of the we did not think this was going to be twenty eight three. You know, comeback. We didn't think it was going to be some of CC's Raven Steelers games, right? We did not think this was going to be an all time game. But the nineteen eight win for Kansas City over Denver was a snoozer. That was because Kansas City literally there was one time they were just like, ah, oh, let's just try this play, like they backwards forward. They were just like screwing around a little bit, and the Kansas City defense was awesome. The Denver offense stinks, and it all goes back to Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. I will say, as much as it pains me to say, as somebody that has supported Russell Wilson and wanted him to bounce back, this ain't it. Obviously, what we saw last night, I cannot defend in any way, shape, or form. But I ask this question. Is there room for critique for his head coach, Sean Payton? Oh, absolutely. After what he did right before halftime with calling a timeout with less than 30 seconds to go, after you get stopped on a third down, Chris Jones gets the sack, you call timeout before punting the ball away, and you save time on the clock for the Kansas City Chiefs to position Harrison Bucker for a 60-yard field goal? What the hell are you doing? And your explanation is that you seemingly forgot what down it was? That's inexcusable for a head coach, especially when his team is fighting for a win, especially with the way that his defense played last night. So I think that part of it is frustrating. As Bill Belichick once said, good players can't overcome bad coaching. That was bad coaching. But I don't think that was the biggest hurdle for Denver last night. The biggest hurdle was the poor play from the quarterback, Russell Wilson, with the two turnovers and only having, what, 57 yards passing in the fourth quarter until that last drive where it ended in a touchdown to Cortland Sutton? Russell Wilson has to be better. There's no no excuse for it. There's no explanation other than he has to be better. Forget about all of the things that people want to point to as deficiencies for the Denver Broncos. The quarterback has to play better. He's got to try to get this franchise some return on the investment that they made, not just in draft picks, 
but in what they're paying him. Russ is getting paid on average $48.5 million a year. Mm-hmm. Did that look like a $48.5 million quarterback last night? Hell no. So I'm saying that's the biggest problem that the Denver Broncos have as I see it. And until something about that changes, either Russ playing better or they're benching Russ, nothing about the outcome of Broncos games is going to change. And don't you feel like we're closer to the latter, to them benching Russ, Russ than Russ turning it around and performing better? Yeah, I mean, if you take Sean Payton at his word last night, it sounds like it. Right. Now, when you say, is it Russ or is it Sean Payton, the answer is yes. It's both of them, obviously. <laughs> like it's, a, it's a resounding yes. And I keep going back to Sean Payton's own words. If you come into this season and you're very definitive about the fact that you think Russell Wilson still has a lot of game left and you think that you're going to be able to extract that from him this year, and you very pointedly say that what Nathaniel Hackett did with the Broncos last year was one of the worst coaching jobs you've ever seen, then how are we expected to dissect what we're seeing from you? If Russell Wilson is not looking resoundingly better, if the Broncos aren't looking resoundingly better, we're not seeing the results, then how are we supposed to examine what we're seeing from you if you said what you saw last year was one of the worst coaching performances you've ever seen? Well, here's what I'll say. I think that Sean Payton was trying to defend Russ and give Russ some confidence coming into this year. But based on what's been happening over the last couple of weeks with them jettisoning Randy Gregory, with them shopping Frank Clark, with them potentially putting Jerry Judy up for auction before the trade deadline in a couple weeks, it's obvious what the Denver Broncos are doing. They are stripping this thing down to the studs, and Russ just so happens to be in the building while they're doing it. I don't think that Sean cares about the impact this is having on Russell Wilson's career because Russ is not his guy. Right. Sean knows he's going to reset the quarterback position because likely he'll have a top 10 draft pick and he'll use that on one of those signal callers coming out in 2024. So Russell Wilson just so happens to be the guy that gets caught up in the sauce. And if this ends up being the prelude to the Fort, to the Denver Broncos parting company with Russ, then so be it. I don't think that Sean is going to go out of his way to try to salvage Russ. I think this is about Sean developing his program, and if he feels like it sends the right message to everybody else in the building to bench Russ sooner than later, that's exactly what's going to happen. We want to hear from you guys as part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season. Without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the ones fans deserve. And you can weigh in on bigger headline last night at 888-SAY-ESPN. Russ or Peyton? Here's why I would say it's Peyton. Sometimes the given is not as much of a headline as the surprise is. In other words, Travis Kelsey last night has nine catches, 124 yards. Not a headline because we know how good he is. If the same stat line applied to the other tight end, Noah Gray, if he had nine for 124, it becomes the bigger headline because it's more of a surprise. Unfortunately for me, as somebody that supported Russell Wilson, him playing poorly is no longer as much of a headline as it used to be because it's established. But let's not do that, though, because this week we were asking all of our guests that were rolling into the Unsportsmanlike studio – Damian Woody, Kimberly Martin. Hey, what's going on with Denver? How, is it they Russ? They were complimentary. And they were right. complimentary yeah. to Russ. Everybody's yeah. saying, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's having a bounce back year. The numbers bear that out. This is the perfect example of why you can't always go by the numbers. Sometimes you got to go by the eye test. Mm-hmm. And what I saw through the first five games of the season was a team that was awful on the offensive side of the ball, not taking advantage of opportunities once you get in the scoring area, not being able to sustain drives, all of the things. The productivity that we saw from Russell Wilson, a lot of that came in garbage time when the game was already decided. And last night, it's what it felt like in the fourth quarter when they had that touchdown drive with the two-point conversion but Javante Williams running it in. That game, to me, was never in doubt for the Kansas City Chiefs. Did it feel like that to y'all? 
No, but I am surprised that the Denver Broncos defense, which it ranks last or virtually last in almost every important metric, was able to hold the Chiefs offense to under 20 points. And that's what makes it so glaring in terms of what the offense is doing or lack thereof. Like, I haven't like, seen anything creative from Sean Payton. All I'm saying is when I talk about the headlines, I think I at least got to mention Sean Payton, which we have, right? But we have to include Sean Payton in the overall critique of the Broncos. Even if you want to say... It's 90% Russ and 10% Peyton. He still gets a 10% now. Well, we did point out Sean Payton yeah, in, I know, in, in, the time, in the timeout gap that was awful. Now, as far as the creativity with the play calling, uh, I mean, there are situations where the quarterback has got to be better. The first interception that Russell Wilson throws when Nick Bolton undercuts that route, that's a ball the quarterback can't throw. You just can't throw it. Now, nobody might be open. You just might have to eat it. Now, conversely, on that fourth and three in plus territory, oh God, he didn't you throw the football. Throw the football. What are you doing? What, doing? what What are you doing? Why Why are you running out of bounds? Throw the damn ball. At least you give somebody a chance throw to make a play. Throw it up in the air like a Hail throw, Mary. Throw it in the air. Somebody, it, Maybe you get a defensive holding. Maybe you get a pass interference. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to guarantee the Chiefs get the ball horrible. if you run out of bounds. Horrible. That is inexplicable. There like was you, also you a can't third down. It. It, it was also a third down, and like he was doing like a quarterback almost end around. Like he yeah. just took the ball and tried to get around the tight end tackle area. I have no idea what he was doing. Yeah, and spot. I mean, you saw it early in the third quarter. He was channeling his inner Willie Beeman, and he was just <laughs> scrambling around like he like he was just running around trying to pick up every single first down. Again, it's not as if it's a situation where I think Sean Payton forgot how to coach football. I think there is a conflict when it comes to the two individuals at the at the focal point with the Broncos stylistically. I think Sean wants to play a certain style. Russ has had success doing it a different way. And because they've had trouble meshing, we're starting to see these results on the field for the Broncos starting out 1-5 and five through their first six. Dr. Pepper call in line at 888-SAY-ESPN. Bigger headline from last night, Sean Payton or Russell Wilson. We'll get your calls in coming up. Plus, for the haters, next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Uh-huh. Bad boy. He can't help himself, Smalls. He, he, cannot, he cannot help himself. It's his favorite segment he, of the he, week. He does it all the time. I love this segment, too. I, I love this segment, too. This is the best. This is the it best. is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to go to the Dr. Pepper call in line in just a couple of minutes here at 888-ESPN on Russ versus Peyton, headline for today. But we do it each and every week. What we do is we script out the best case scenario, not in a good way, but in a bad way, for the haters. Where the haters will be happy on Monday. Here we go. For the haters, Josh Allen and the Bills lose to the Giants. Haters will love that. I'd be one of them. I'm not a Giants fan, 
But I've been critical of Josh could, Allen could you, and the Bills. Could you imagine Josh Allen losing to the Giants when Daniel Jones is not healthy or if Tyrod Taylor has to start? Could you imagine that happening? That's right. I mean, the, the, like, the, only, the only way that they would lose that game is if Josh Allen played like we saw him on opening night with yeah. all of the turnovers. That would be the only way. Now, he turned the ball over across the pond in London. They had multiple turnovers that Bill's offense in a uh, losing effort against the Jags. I, I just I, – I don't want to believe that it's possible, but it wouldn't be that odd given that you're talking about Josh Allen going up against a head coach in Brian Dayball who was the OC when he had his best years in Buffalo. Maybe there's something that Brian Dayball can bring to the table to neutralize the things that Josh does well. I just I don't want to believe it. You're talking about them being more than a two-touchdown favorite. If they if they spit the bit on this one, yeah, there's going to be a lot of criticism going to Josh Allen's way. But they've been inconsistent this year. We need to know, are they the team that's closer to what we saw on opening night or closer to the team that we saw take down this Dolphins offense? And if they lose to the Giants... We are going to have a lot to say about them on Monday. How many uh, tablets do you think Stephon Diggs will break if they lose to the Giants? Quite a few. A lot. Quite a few. Lamar losing and struggling to the Titans in a game in London for the Ravens. The haters will love that one. Yeah, they'll love that one. Now, here's the thing. Everybody has dubbed me a Lamar hater because I'm saying that he needs to take care of the football. Lamar Jackson has eight touchdowns to eight turnovers this year. He's got to be better with his ball security. Since the start of 2021, he's got 11 fourth-quarter turnovers. That leads the NFL. Lamar, take care of the football. For rule number one, do no harm. I understand you want to make plays. I understand that your offensive line and some of your skill position players are injured. You're shorthanded, but you got to make sure that you put your team in position to have success. And Smalls, the last time I checked football – has three phases, offense, defense, special teams. Correct. Your defense is really damn good. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Ravens have a top five defense, and they've been that way since they traded for Roquan Smith last year. Lean on your defense. Punt is a good play. End every drive with a kick, Lamar. Take it back to those basics. When you got to be special, if the situation presents itself, then do your thing. But I don't know that you necessarily need that going up against the Tennessee Titans. So when I – do this exercise, I think about what the Twitter trolls will say. And can't you see people go, who, go voice. You who hate give us a Lamar, voice. who hate the Ravens, they paid him all that money for him to turn the ball off. <laughs> there it is. It done. There right? it is. Isn't that what they're going to say? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. For the haters. I don't know if this is for the haters as much as for the people that love the transactional stuff like me. The Vikings lose to the Bears because we want the Kirk Cousins trade rumors. Oh, yeah. I'm all here for it. I still contend that it doesn't make any sense not to trade him. Why, why would you keep him? You can't franchise tag him. It's cost prohibitive. You know, he's going to be, he's going to have an opportunity to walk away. You're probably going to be in a situation where you need to draft a quarterback. Why, why would you run the risk of that guy walking out of the building and getting nothing for him? Well, I mean, Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL reporter, joined us earlier in the 7 a.m. Eastern hour. You can go back on the ESPN app and listen to the podcast. He threw out a whole wrinkle that we are not considering, which is the concept of them actually extending him. Now, you have said, and I think you're right, that maybe that window is already too far gone and closed here at this point. No, they're not going to pay him because think about it. If they were going to pay him what somebody else would likely pay him out of desperation, they would have done it already. They're not going to be the top bidders once we get to the 2024 offseason. They won't be. And so if that's the case, if you know that you're not going to engage in a bidding war for Kirk, if you were on the fence about him before, then go ahead and move him now. It just doesn't make any sense to hold on to that guy. At least get an asset to return. 
Maybe you can get a second-round pick. Maybe you can get a first-round pick. Who knows what it is? But it would be better than whatever compensatory pick that you would get a couple of years from now. So, to me, it makes all the sense to try to move him if you lose this game to the Bears. Yeah, he certainly doesn't feel like the guy in Minnesota long-term. No. So. All right, last one for the haters. Bill Belichick loses to Josh McDaniels. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Hello? Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah, that part. What's that part. On? That part. What are you up to? Yeah, yeah. Bill Bill Belichick losing to Josh McDaniels, who could ultimately lose his job at the end of the season, too. That would be uh, a, a twist with irony, fate, all of the things. Like, I, I just – it's going to get ugly in New England. Mm-hmm. It's going to get a lot worse. Gonna. I think it already has. Well, 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 however bad you think it is, it's going to get worse. Yeah. This is not rock bottom for the Patriots this year. You know who the biggest it's winner is not. in that scenario? The hypothetical that you just brought up, that Belichick walks away and McDaniels gets fired, the biggest winner in that scenario is Justin Herbert because he'll get both of them. You heard it here. That's right. That's a hot take. That's a hot That's take. That's a hot take. What, but, but what I, about what we're seeing from either one of them makes them attractive to the Chargers? It's Belichick and McDaniels together with a quarterback like Herbert. You, that's not more attractive than Brandon Staley. I would much rather go with a younger coach, maybe Ben Johnson, the OC from the Detroit Lions. Well, he's Lions really good too. He's somebody really good like too. that. Yeah. I, I don't know that I'd go down that road. You would but rather I mean, Ben Johnson but I mean, than Bill Belichick. But, but here's the thing: yeah, Bill Belichick is going to be 73 years old. Stop it, man! I, like at some point, you got to realize this is not a guy that's in line that's going to give us multiple years of competing for a championship. At this point, if you're the Chargers, you want sustained success. Correct. Stop trying to chase after waterfalls, man. You ain't learned that lesson when TLC sung the song. Stop yourself. That's right. Left anyway, right, back to the Patriots getting ugly. They lose to the Raiders. Ooh. After that, they got the Buffalo Bills and on the road against the Miami Dolphins. Ooh. God bless and good night. Well, it's getting ugly anyway. That, that, even that, even that, if you is, get a that, second that, win. That is the long good – that would be the long good night. All right, we can move on. Aren't then. we already that there, though? Good. We're – we're already there, Evan. It's we're I going know. into week six. This could be really bad for you. You might if want I, to just embrace it, Evan. If I gave you over under five wins for the Patriots this season, I'm always going to go over because in Bill, I believe in. So you can get four more wins this year. Yeah, I don't know against who. Uh, Dennis in Connecticut joins us. In Dr. Pepper calling line. Biggest headline from last night: Russ or Peyton? Thank God for the phones. <laughs> go ahead, Dennis. <laughs> I have to say it's rough. Uh, Sean Payton, you know, opening up the season with an onside kick uh, and the way the entire team has played. I mean, the defense obviously against Miami, but I have to go with Russ. Uh, he's the quarterback. He's getting paid almost fifty million a year. You gotta, you gotta perform. Fair. And listen, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. And thank you for the call, Dennis. Listening to ninety-seven nine in Connecticut. Let's talk with Steve in Ohio on fourteen ten a.m. in Ohio. What's up, Steve? Hey, Steve. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. So let me just break this down for you really quick, because you guys have said that it seems like, you know, Peyton's trying to strip strip the team. He wants to start over. Uh, he runs one style offense. Russ is another. Um, do you think now, – now, no quarter, no coach would ever say this. It's obviously that Russ is not Sean Peyton's guy. He, he doesn't want Russ. Is it possible that because it's two-style offenses that Sean Peyton is subtly calling plays that Russ – is not capable of doing so that eventually he can get his quarterback. Yeah, it's an interesting Sean Payton calling theory. Nicole Red. Wow. <laughs> Nicole Red on Russell Wilson. He's I'm looking gonna, at the wristband like, what? I'm going to say no on that because I don't want to believe that to be true. Here's what I guess I would, I would float out there. 
Is Sean Payton a winner regardless of result? If they win, great, they're winning. If they lose, he can get his own quarterback and he's guaranteed all this money as a head coach. Does he win no matter what here? Yeah, this was always going to be a gimme year for Sean. Nope, Nobody was going to be overly critical because ultimately if it failed, it would be the focus on Russell Wilson because of what they allocated to him in the contract and, and, and what they gave up in the way of draft picks and players. So, yeah, I, I think Sean Payton getting $18 million a year in a franchise trading a first-round pick for him, that that pretty much guarantees that he's going to be around for the foreseeable future. But the guy that's in doubt is Russ, and that's the guy that's going to catch all the heat. Yeah, not only the investment that they made in Sean Payton, but I think his resume is the shield. It's going to protect him from any shrapnel this season because he's proven that he can do it. And Russell Wilson, while having success in Seattle, has not had success the past two seasons in Denver. So I think Sean Payton has a much longer leash. Uh, Comparatively, I think Russell Wilson's resume is better than Sean Payton's resume. Just saying. I think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback resume-wise than Sean Payton is head coach. But Sean Payton doesn't have... All of the circumstances surrounding him that Russell Wilson does in Denver. Correct. Correct. 888-SAY-ESPN is the telephone number to be a part of the Dr. Pepper call in line with the question of the day in terms of the bigger headline, Sean Payton from last night or Russell Wilson. Coming up, Evan Almighty next on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Making predictions can be tough. Wrong, 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 wrong. Unless you're the chosen one. He's the chosen one. This is Evan Almighty. Yes, it is time for me to make some predictions. Now, here's the problem with this, Smalls. What's up? I have a theory behind what's going on here with Evan Almighty. Last week, I did really well in my predictions. You did. And um, Nuno and Pat tried to avoid it on Monday. Oh, yeah, we didn't revisit. They don't like it. Now, here's why. And by the way, CC oh. is at uh, Get Up, so he's on ESPN right now. We have in the middle of our table here on the ESPNU side a bad take jar, where mm-hmm. if we have terrible takes, you got to put money into the bad take jar, right? $8 in there. So I was good. I was good on Monday. I had nothing. They get mad at me when my predictions are right. So they just ignore them. That's right. So what are we going to do moving forward? Are you going to give intentionally bad predictions? No, but my predictions may just be bad. So here we go. Okay. All right, here we go. The first one. I've said it once, and I'll say it again, despite what Dan Graziano said to us earlier. This weekend will be Kirk Cousins' last game with the Minnesota Vikings. 
done. They're playing the Bears. If they lose this weekend, they got the Niners next week, so they go from 1-4 and four to 1-6 and six pretty quickly. I'm going to say it. He's going to waive his no-trade clause, and I've put it out there. Everybody's saying the Jets or the Falcons. I'm saying the Tennessee Titans, so there you go. Mm. Next one, Jerry Judy, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Last night, gets into a little on-field back and forth with Steve Smith. Yeah. NFL Network, former wide receiver, great wide receiver. I'm going to say that Jerry Judy has now played his last game for the Denver Broncos, and they will trade him maybe today. How do you like that? CeCe's not here for this, but he wrote off the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. I think the Bengals are going to win this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks, and they're going to be 3-3, three and three, and they're going to be right back in the playoff mix where we are going to come in on Monday, and we're going to talk about the Bengals right there atop the AFC as a big-time contender again. <laughs> and the last one for you, Smalls. All right, I'm ready. Now, this one is a little tricky. But I'm going to say there's going to be a Power 5 conference college football coach that gets fired this weekend. Do you have your eyes set on any Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M is an interesting one. Massive buyout. They play against Tennessee this weekend. But I think we're getting to that part of the season. Now, I, only, I know it's only four or five games in, five or six games in for some teams. But I could see maybe possibly seven games for other teams. I could see them potentially making a move somewhere around college football. We are getting to that place where a Power 5 conference team will fire a coach by the time we come in on Monday. (laughs) And there you have it for Evan Almighty. Do you think any of these will come true? If you had to bet on one of them. Hmm. I might go with the Kirk Cousins prediction. Kirk Cousins. Okay. Now, we may not know that by the time we come in on Monday because it may happen after that. But that is your leader in the clubhouse in terms of the predictions there. All right. It is on Sportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, something happened last night at the Chiefs and the Broncos game that would confirm maybe where you're going versus where I have gone and where CeCe has gone. Taylor Swift was there yet again at the game last night. Right. This time she was sitting in the suite for Travis Kelsey with Brittany Mahomes. Correct. Patrick's wife. Yes. And and furthermore, all over ESPN.com this morning was a picture of Brittany Mahomes, like really cheering, really intense. She is as intense watching her husband as her husband is on the field playing a game. She's into it. Give her credit for being so into it. But it was all over ESPN.com this morning, which would make me believe that now we have seen, what, four or five games or three or four games? Three or four. Three or four games for Taylor Swift going to Travis Kelsey games. I mean, do I have to give in and acknowledge that you are right that they are dating officially? Come on. I don't know what more evidence you need. Let's put the puzzle together. And stats on the screen. Sorry to interrupt, but stats on the screen with Taylor versus without Taylor for Travis Kelsey. 253 receiving yards for Travis Kelsey when Taylor Swift is in attendance. Conversely, 93 receiving yards without her there. Now, I know it's a a bit of a skewed sample size, but come on here. She needs to be there to support her man. And yes, it is her man. 
She has been at three of the last four games. Maybe she missed the one in Minnesota because, oh, I don't know, she had a global movie premiere to prepare for. She does have a pretty bumping career herself. Why on earth would she be sitting in the box with not only his mother, but with his co-worker's wife? Isn't that what happens when you're in a new relationship and you try to buddy up to the people and your significant other's orbit, make make the co-worker's wives like you, make the your his buddy's friends like you? Well, now you're bringing up a whole different can of worms. I'm Should saying, I be offended that you have not met my wife? Well, you don't live near me. I don't live that far. We live an hour away from each other. If, but based an on hour this, away. So far. she's flying in and they've met the wife. Well, she has a private jet. If I had a blade you don't or have something, a private and jet? I, I do not have a private jet. Okay. If I could get to where you are and, and I don't have a vehicle, I would have absolutely come to meet There's your wife. Train. I would love to meet There's her. There's a train. You could take the tra- now. Now I'm thinking about this whole thing differently. <laughs> that you're making a big deal that this is what you do when you start a new job or start a new relationship. Yes. That you meet your teammates. You meet your teammates' significant others. You get to know their lives. But you have not met my. Have you met Cece's wife? No, and I want to. I so want to meet are both you, of your but wives. But then, are you not a good teammate then in that spot? Well, maybe you're not a good teammate. Why? For so then, come me. over uh, next week. You maybe. have to come over. Well, next weekend I'm out of town, but any other time I'm I I didn't say weekend. I, you can come over during the week. We have to get up at four a.m. I, I have a guest room. I'll drive you in. <laughs> oh my god! You have to have a sleepover. I became the you house and my guest wife are now going to have a sleepover <laughs> as a result of your theory here that they are definitely together in a in a like they're in a real relationship. We're in a working relationship. But you're saying if you don't meet the significant others, that you're not in a true relationship. I'm, I'm just saying this is a classic new girlfriend play: is to say you're buddies with Patrick Mahomes. I need to buddy up with his wife. I need to get in all of the inner circles. And by the way, yeah. as someone from the Midwest, let me tell you, the streets of Missouri are talking. She has been in Kansas City, according to the streets, for more than just these games. And according to the streets, she has plans to be there many more games this season. I'm just saying, the streets have been saying that this is a very real thing. Okay, I got to ask you this, because this I was thinking about last night and watching this game and watching the Chiefs win over the Broncos, which was a horrible game, let's be honest, 19 I was thinking about this. If and maybe when they break up, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, does Taylor Swift keep in touch with Brittany Mahomes or does she change the phone number? Like, is it, how does that work? Because Ooh, she's so famous. Question. And yeah. I'm not suggesting she doesn't like Brittany Mahomes and maybe they do become friends after that. But do they stay in touch? Because they're only in touch because of the friendship of the, spe- yeah. of the significant others here. I don't know. I guess it depends on how the breakup ended, right? Or the severity of the breakup. If it's, hey, we had fun. Let's walk away. I'm going to keep in touch with your people. You can keep in touch with my people. That's one thing. If it's a disastrous breakup that she's writing an entire album about, then maybe she then wants to just touch. separate herself from anything connected to Travis Kelsey. I don't know. It depends. But Evan, why are you going there? Why do you have to be negative? Why are you not assuming that this is her end game? No, now this could be the well, one. I don't know about that. But now I am giving in a little bit because she's been to so many games here. But all I could think about now is what's wrong with me that you haven't met my <laughs> wife as a result of that. Yeah. All right, coming up, there's an interesting college football storyline this weekend. A head coach is not happy about the start time of one of his games with everyone fighting for attention how can your business stand out and connect with customers easy get constant contact constant contacts award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out stay top of mind and see big results fast constant contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and sms marketing social media posting and even events management With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. 
don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unbelievable play last night. Donovan Smith to Steven Johnson. Houston 49-yard game-winning Hail Mary reception. 41-39 Houston wins. That courtesy of Learfield Sports, excuse me, that is our good hands moment of the week. Brought to you by Allstate. With insurance from Allstate, you'll be game day ready every day. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Allstate, you're in good hands. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Reminder, Smallman has not met Canty's wife or my wife, (laughs) which means she doesn't like us. We've learned that now. Where's the invite? Well, I I guess I could determine that you both don't like me. No, I invited you to sleep over next week. <laughs> he, he took well, it. Well, we need, we need some more luck. bad takes to build up the jar so when we do go out to dinner. It's we can, all of us. It's all of us. Yeah. I, love it. I love okay. that idea. Got it. All right. Yeah. Makes sense. There we go. So one of the interesting storylines with college football this weekend is always around Deion Sanders, of course. Um, but Deion said something that I didn't really expect to come out of Deion's mouth, but it may be more of a thing than we realize. Deion Sanders has a late game this weekend. Not thrilled with it. Makes these eight o'clock games. They're the dumbest thing I know, ever. I know, ever. I know. It's those fellows over the television. The stupidest thing ever invented in life. Who wants to stay up to eight o'clock for a darn game? You wait till we do what it. What about the West Coast? Yes. I mean, the East Coast. Any, do they even care about ratings or anybody watching it? You, you wait what till are we supposed to do with. I'm sorry, I'm bidding. What are we supposed <laughs> to do with the kids all day until eight o'clock? Yeah. Wait till we're on the road. What are we supposed to yeah. do all day until eight o'clock? So what are you supposed to do in the hotel? Yep. What are you supposed to do all yep. day? Watching football. Uh, who, who's playing and, and on then, Friday? Yeah, thank God we're not going to be in this uh, conference. Yep. Well, this is interesting because it's a 10 o'clock game tonight on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Stanford and Colorado. You would think that 10 o'clock Eastern, I'm sorry, 8 o'clock um, Mountain Time. Yeah. You would think oh, that's just the start time of a game. But this is something that actually matters and affects you guys as players? Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, mm. players would love the opportunity to wake up and get going. Like that noon kickoff in college, that's the sweet spot. Really? It's like noon kickoff, you back home by 4 o'clock, you shower, take a little nap, and get ready to go out Saturday night on the town in college. Like that. that is the sweet spot, the noon kickoff, the 1 o'clock kickoff when I was in the league. You could actually deal with the – the late window in the afternoon, you know, 3.30 or 4 o'clock if you're in the NFL. But that 8 o'clock kickoff, I mean, literally, you're in the hotel the entire day. You're just eating, you sleep, you go down for snack, and you eat and you sleep. And it's just, you feel groggy by the time you get to the stadium. And it's just like, man, you got to dial it up and find some juice because you've been laying around like a veal all day long. <laughs> so I just, it's one of those things that players hate, and I understand why 
the television networks schedule the windows the way that they do now that I'm on this side of the business. But as players, you hate, you hate to have to wait around all day to play a football game. What throws you off more, the weird time or the weird day? Like, because they're playing on Friday. Both, 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 uh, both. Because think about it, your routine. And I say this all the time, and, and I don't think people understand. Athletes are creatures of habit. Our, we want our practice time the same way. We want the same thing for our pregame meal. We want to put on our pads the same way every single time. Like it, We got sp- specific guys that we all like to go to to get taped up before the game. Like It's, just, it's a whole thing. And so to throw off that routine with the primetime game at 8 o'clock or 8.15, that is just such an aberration. It's such an outlier, and it's hard for guys to get used to that when you're playing earlier on in the afternoon. So what is it, just a mental thing that you like to know what's coming next? You like to follow the steps of your routine? Yeah, because you think that that's going to lead you to success, right? If you do everything the same way, that that is what's going to lead to you being able to have success. There's a reason why everybody wants to point to Kirk Cousins' record when he plays in primetime games at night and how it's not so great. Kirk Cousins at 1 o'clock, he's usually money. So I think... There is there is something to the psychology of the athlete and having to deal with waiting around and anticipating the the big stage and playing in those primetime games. Is it more severe at the Super Bowl? This, exactly, it, it's bad at the because Super Bowl. Because I just put the two Super, and two together. The Super Bowl is the odd time. You never play it's, a game at 6.30. It's a weird time. You never You're play a game at 6.30. You're not in your routine at all, probably. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 weird. It, again, you're you're laying around all day long, and a, and players would much rather wake up and go get it because you have all of that nervous energy pent up. You're thinking about the game the night before, and you just want to go out there and play. To have to sit around and ruminating that is is not a good feeling. Yeah, and the halftime, right? I mean, you're talking yeah. about the halftime and an extra long halftime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not great. It's not great, but here's the other thing. So you're complaining about making the but, Super Bowl. But, but, here's the, but here's the other thing. No, I'm not going to complain about that. But the other thing about what Dion said, who's going to stay up on the East Coast and watch a game? He's worried about those recruits staying up yeah. and watching, watching Colorado. See, he wants all of the high school players, all of the prep players to say, to see that Colorado is the hottest club in town. Yep. It's hard to see that when the game is kicking off at 10 Eastern. I also love how he brings all these things to light. I think a lot of coaches might be – afraid to come out and say, yeah, it's hard to get my team to be motivated at this kick. Yeah. I'm worried about all of the eyeballs that are on me. Coach Prime's not afraid of all of that, but for him to be able to say these things and bring it to light, it gives us a better insight into the challenges that some of these players or coaches face when they do get their routine disrupted. The college football weekend, the best matchups this weekend, number eight, Oregon at number seven, Washington, number 10, USC at number 20. And by the way, the Oregon, Washington is where um, game day will be this weekend. Mm-hmm. Number 10, USC at number 21, Notre Dame. You've got uh, Mike Miami coming off of the the kneel down or lack thereof um, last oh weekend against Carolina. North Carolina. That's going to be a great game. And UCLA, Oregon State. And you look at the college football landscape right now. Georgia's rolling. Michigan is rolling. Ohio State, you know, they're 5-0, and not necessarily rolling. Same thing with Syracuse, uh, Florida State against Syracuse this weekend. The team that I keep coming back to that has been a little bit better than we've given them credit for is Alabama. They're back to 5-1. and one. Jalen Milrow is starting to find his way a little bit. Like, I'm not saying necessarily they're going to win a championship. I'm just not ready to write them off for a college football playoff here. Well, unless they get through the SEC championship and presumably that being Georgia waiting for them from the SEC East, I can't take Alabama seriously. And does anybody look at Alabama as being on the same level as Georgia? 
No. No. No, but are you going to pick them to lose the rest of the way? Because right now they have no, Arkansas, it doesn't matter Tennessee. If they, it doesn't matter if they lose the rest of the way. They've already got a loss from Texas on their skate. So if they lose in the SEC championship, a two-loss team is not getting into the playoffs. So that's what it comes down to for Alabama. That's why even though you know they're, they're having a, a little bit of a turnaround in terms of solidifying the quarterback spot, I don't really take them seriously when it comes to the end-of-the-season conversation and playing in a big game. Now, one of the teams that I could see making a push for the playoff – is USC, but in order for that to happen, they absolutely have to win this game against Notre Dame, a two-loss team, because if you look at the remainder of their schedule, it is absolutely brutal. They got Utah, who's in the top 20. They've got a road game against Cal. Then they're home against Washington, top 10 team, and then on the road against Oregon, top 10 team, and then home against UCLA, if you can call that a home game, and that's a top 20 team. Absolutely brutal stretch of games. Four of the next five opponents ranked in the top 20. No, excuse me. Five of the next six opponents ranked in the top 20 for USC. That is a daunting schedule. And USC got a bad break last weekend. It would have been better for them if Notre Dame beat Louisville. Notre Dame losing to Louisville 33-20 makes this potential win a worse win if there's a such thing. But there is in college football because we're looking at the wins. In the NFL, it's different accounts the same, right? Yeah. But this win this weekend, if they beat Notre Dame, our reaction would be like, all right, that's Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, that's what they should do. So are you calling this a, a can't lose, not a must win? Yeah, because I'm not. are we going to come in here on Monday and give them credit for a win against a, a team in the 20s? Versus a team, I mean, what was what was Notre Dame before last I mean, weekend against I mean, Louisville? T- I mean, to, I mean date, to, to date, it would be their best win on the season, right? Right, but it's not as good as it could have been. The Notre Dame loss, see, Notre Dame lost to Ohio State by three points, right? Yeah. We're not going to go crazy on that. And that was a last-second drive at the end of the game yeah. for Ohio State. So that's actually a, a good loss. Then you have Notre Dame theoretically going against USC this weekend as a top-10 team after a Louisville win. And you get two top-10 teams and you get a top-10 win. That would have been a great win for USC. If I'm a USC fan listening at ESPN LA, 7-10, I'm mad that, you, that Notre Dame lost last weekend. Yeah. Because it hurts me. I need, as you said, they don't have great wins. And they squeaked by Arizona. They needed, what, triple overtime? Triple overtime. Yeah. Triple overtime to win that game. And part of this is having those resume games. And Notre Dame, as crazy as it sounds, may not be that much of a resume game for them this weekend, even though they have the best player, arguably, in college football. Coming up, which team would prefer a do-over between these two, the Broncos or the Browns? We will get to that coming up. It's Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, right here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.